Today is Tuesday, July 6, 2010 at Shippensburg Bible School. Our brother Matt Norton will be speaking to us on the subject of the life of Lot. His class title today is Contentment. Thanks for that, brother. Well, young people, how are we all again this morning? Any good? More talkative today. You're warming up to the whole thing, are you? I thought you were just scared of Australians or something. Quiet again, you must be. Well, guys, where do we get up to with Lot's life in that mad rush yesterday? Did we did we separate the two? Did they... Okay, well, this is... Okay, I want to talk to you about contentment. But we'll lead into that briefly by saying why they separated. Okay, so we know the story. What happens is... The herdsmen of Lot and the herdsmen of Abraham, they start having this big fight. And they're arguing, they're punching each other, and Lot comes running down and goes, Guys, guys, what are you fighting over? And they said, Lot's herdsmen, because Abraham's um, cattle are moving into our paddocks or eating our grain. Now, right there, what should Lot have said? I'll drink this whole glass of water, whole cup of water. That's cool. we somewhere else. Amen. That's right. Hey, let's not fight with Abraham. He's my uncle. He's my father in the truth. He's the reason why we have anything. Let's back off. We'll, I'll go and see him. We'll sort this out. And quietly done it. Lot got all fired up, his face went red, and his earlobes started tingling red as well, and he took it right to Uncle Abraham and said, What's going on here? How come your sheep and your herds are in my paddock? My herdsman told me all this. And he went off. And Abraham says, That'll down. Like he tried to calm him down, but Lot wouldn't calm down. And Abraham said, Well, we, we can't live together because there's too many things. What would be the logical solution to that? spread out a little bit more well how about sell a few hundred head of cattle wouldn't that have been sensible so that at all costs brothers could live together because Abraham said we're brethren you and I not uncle and nephew superior listen son shut up it wasn't Abraham was never like that he never talked talked to him like that never took the superior uh, station at all costs, stay together. We can't separate, but Lot would not have it. Can anybody tell me why Lot wouldn't have it? Why couldn't they come to some arrangement? Why would they have to separate? Because he was greedy and he wanted to keep it all. He was discontent. He was... Um, he was discontent. He was a covetous man. That's why. He was covetous. And we know this. I'll tell you why. This is what happened. Later when he goes to Sodom and he gets taken captive and, Lot, and Abraham brings him back, it says he brought back Lot and all his goods and it doesn't say all his herds and his cattle. As soon as he gets down to Sodom, he sells them anyway. It was never about 
the cattle in the herds. It was about winning the argument. It was about who was the chosen one, who was the best, who was the special one, and Lot wanted to be the special one. You ever seen kids? And the kids fight over something, and they got a little book going, my book, my book, my book. And they're fighting like this, and a parent comes in and smacks the kid that's not theirs, and takes the thing and says, it's his book. And he gives it to the little kid whose book it really, really, you know, whatever. He goes, hmm. Soon as they get the book, what do they do with it? Or the toy? That's right. They put it down and walk off and get something else. It's just like a badly behaved kid. It's never about the thing they're fighting over. It's always about something else. And that was what Lot's problem was. It's about covetousness. And the saddest thing is they separate. And he goes down to Sodom. And what we're going to see as we go through, and I might try to remember to um, emphasize them, Abraham's experiences are much the same as Lot's experiences. Abraham goes into Egypt, shouldn't have went down there. Lot goes into Sodom, ought not to have gone down there. He gets out of Sodom as Abraham got out of Egypt, only by divine help and intervention. What did Abra- But Abraham, in his choices, guys, Abraham always learns. He always learns. Lot, on the other hand, is so much like you and me. He keeps falling on his face and he doesn't seem to learn. We do the same things over and over again. What was the greatest, the greatest thing in Abraham's life that he almost lost in Egypt? What was that one? Hmm. Abraham really lost his loved, beloved Sarah because of his silly decision to go down into Egypt. Lot goes down to Sodom and Abraham saves him the first time. He comes out with his wife. Almost loses her. Where does Lot go then? Straight back. And what happens to his wife? He ends up losing her. Lot ends up losing his wife because he doesn't learn by his mistakes. And we're going to see that poor old Lot was discontent. It's a diagnostic bullseye. That was Lot's problem. He was a covetous man. And we'll see that in Hebrews 13 in a couple of days' time. Lot had a big problem. I want to show you 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter um, 6. See, was Abraham rich? Yes or no? Was Lot rich? Yes or no? Okay, who was more rich? See, Abraham was, he was uber rich. He had more gear and more stock and more silver and gold than Lot would ever have. But the problem is with Lot, he loved it. He absolutely was in love with it. He wanted to marry it. He loved it so much. Abraham didn't love it. In fact, if you took all Abraham's money and herds and cattle away and all his servants and left him and Sarah just with a tent and a goat, bless him, he would have still been happy. I can, I can tell you quite readily that I would find it difficult within myself to be happy with just a tent and a goat. But Abraham and Sarah were not discontent people. Lot was. Now look at First Timothy. Look what it says. It says in verse 6, 1 Timothy 6, Now there is great gain in godliness with contentment. Guys, if you have these verses highlighted, I suggest that it's probably a good idea. Highlight these verses. There's great gain in godliness, being God-like, like God, being like him, with contentment. For we brought nothing into this world and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, be content. And we think, you're right, with food and clothing, what else do you need? 
Do we need anything else than food and clothing? I mean, like a house? I like a car? A couple of cars? Boat? Holidays? Who wants to... I mean, who thinks they could be content just with food and clothing, knowing God's going to look after you? Man, I would hate it. I think I would, but I shouldn't. God says, if you're just like me and you have these things, and for me, those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and into a snare and into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Do you think Lot woke up one day in the beginning and went, you know what? I want to fall into temptation and I want to fall into many traps and wicked and foolish desires that ruin and destroy my soul. I want to lose my faith and cause myself untold agonies. Yeah, that's what I want to do. Do you guys ever wake up in the morning and think that? What about the drug addict? Dad, Dad, it's just marijuana, man. Just stay cool. I know what I'm talking about, guys, because I teach kids at school. Year sevens, year eights. <laughs> Sir, he's a bonger. And the kids get... His eyes are red. You know it. There's so many kids. Just, Dad, it's just for kicks. It's only marijuana. I'm just going to muck around. It won't go any further. None of those kids wake up one day and think, no, you know what I want to do? I want to start off with marijuana and progress pretty quick, quickly to heroin, which is what always happens, by the way, to the hardcore drugs. Sorry to let you know this, guys. And what I want to do, I want to die emaciated with no friends, with a ruined life, with scars up and down both arms so that you cannot find any veins, lying in a gutter. Yeah, that's what I want. You think it's Matt, Uncle Matt, pretty extreme example. Guys, think about the choices in your life, the steps, trivial though they may seem, imperceptibly small, little tiny ones, ultimately, in the end, over a long period of time, will have a massive impact in your life. You're all young. Uni's ahead. Yeah, we're going to have fun at uni. We're going to do all these cool things and, and have our minds broadened and have our eyes opened. And mum and dad, everything they've said to us, I know better than them. Just think. What I'm telling you is true. It breaks my heart to see young people like you. They're the same in Australia. And sometimes I think, is the message going through? Think about the choices. Lot made bad choices. Make good choices, God first, God second, God third. Your life will run smoothly and in the end you'll be in the kingdom. Will you have hiccups? Will you have challenges? Will you have anxiety? Yes, you will. But you're going to be close to God. You're going to have his word. You'll have brothers and sisters who care. And you'll still make friends along the way that love you and will support you and keep you. It's the way to go, young people. Lot had it bad. He was a discontent person. And the problem is with Lot, and I have to qualify this, he lived with the ungodly. He didn't live ungodly, okay? Don't think for one second I'm saying Lot's a great big sinner. He's not. 
but he had this ambivalence in his life. On the one hand, he says, I love it down here. I love the, the luxuries and all the things it can give me in Sodom, all the bells and whistles and things that open and shut, the air-conditioned cars and the trolleys in the supermarket. Sorry, trolleys. Um, what do you guys call them in Walmart? Those carts. I love those carts because they haven't got the, the dicky wheel and it still works. I love them here in Sodom. But I hate... Oh, oh, I can't hardly countenance the sinfulness of this city. I hate that, but I love this. But I hate that, I love this. And that was a lot. Ambivalence. And he stayed there. And it stressed him out. He had this acute mental affliction. And it was really, it was ruining him. It was ruining his daughters and his wife. And it was stressing him no end. It was giving him stomach ulcers and all these pains and gastro and headaches and migraines. Why did he stay there? What on earth was he thinking? Do you think, guys, do you think Abraham woke up every morning stressed out of his mind like Lot? How come? How come Abraham didn't wake up every morning stressed out of his mind like his uh, nephew Lot did? Why? Why didn't he have any reason to be stressed? In what way did he put God first? Let's get right down to the nuts and bolts of it. What did Lot do that Abraham didn't do? Exactly. Lot packed up his tent and went and lived in a city. Where did Abraham live? He lived under a tree, in a field, surrounded by cows and sheep and servants and things. He wasn't stressed like that. He chose... To live like this, Lot chose to live like that. Now, here's the big question. Why did Abraham choose to live like that? And why did Lot choose to live like that? Why did Abraham choose to live here? Can you guys tell me? You need to know this. If you're going to save your life, you need to know this. Why Abraham chose? Because it's all about motivation. You've got to be motivated to make a choice. And to make good choices, you've got to have good motivation. You know, make bad choices, it will always be a selfish, proud, lustful, wrong, superior, greedy motivation. Why did Abraham choose to stay in the area that he was in? Bingo. Excellent answer. Straight to the top of the class awesome it was because he was content and he was not covetous if he was covetous he would have said i'm coming with you and down with lot and he wasn't a covetous person he was a content person oh, but here's the other thing too how come abraham didn't say to lot when lot said hmm i like it down there in sodom and that's where i choose to go why did abraham say no stop don't go down there you're mad what are you thinking does anybody know why Abraham didn't say, don't go down there? What if you see one of your mates doing the wrong thing? What if you see one of your mates getting on things on the internet that they shouldn't be? Do you say, don't do that, it's wrong? What, girls, what if you see one of your girlfriends going out with a guy in the world and you know you shouldn't, she shouldn't do it? What do you say? Or how come you don't say, no, it's wrong? How come you don't say, stop, we should be doing better things? Why didn't Abraham say, don't do it? He, he Say that again. I think you're right. I'll make it sound that you're right anyway. I'm deaf. 
No, that's not right. <laughs> but uh, it, it's a good point, though. He probably did in some ways, but it's not quite there. He which? Partly, didn't want to fight, partly. Look, I'll tell you this. What did, a, what did Lot say Sodom and the plain of Sodom look like? What did it remind him of? Egypt. Egypt. How did Lot know what Egypt looked like? That's right. Abraham had taken him into Egypt, got him his passport and marched him down to the immigration office and taken him through the border control into Egypt. It was Abraham's fault that Lot knew what Egypt looked like. Abraham had no credibility. The halo had fallen off, as we said yesterday, and now he was just a man. He was nothing in Lot's eyes. And as soon as Abraham went, you can't, don't you tell me what to do. You're no better than me. You took me down to Egypt for the, anyway. You guys ever thought, that? imagine sitting at the computer and you're watching your mate do things he shouldn't do and you're about to say, don't do it. What would he turn and say to you? Hey, hey, come on. Don't tell me what to do. You were on this the other day. Back down. What about the girls? Going out with some guy in the world. You were going out with someone six months ago. How come you're so high and mighty now? Anybody here ever felt compromised like that because of your own sins? Hey, I know all about it. We know all about that. Everybody feels the same way. Compromise. Well, I just have to touch that. We all feel that same way. It's terrible, but that's how Abraham felt. Poor old Lot. He had it bad, and what could he do? Now, you know, you think about this. Covetousness and contentment. Now, what time do I have to finish? Just give me a time so my brain can work this out. I'm pretty slow, I know. All right, 10.40. But I like to plan. <laughs> okay, so we've got about 20-odd minutes. Is that right? Yep, 25, something like that. Okay. Now, out in the world, guys, give, it's a choose-your-own-adventure out there to find satisfaction and contentment. There's many different avenues you could choose. Can anybody tell me some of the different ways that you could choose contentment outside? or reach some, some way of satisfying yourself. The world advertises it. What sort of ways are there? What sort of things does the world promise to give you contentment? Yeah, yeah, okay, material things. Give me some examples. What type of material things? Because if you're a guy, it's different to the girls. What would the girls want? I've got four girls, guys. I mean, I know what I'm talking about, so tell me what they are. Is that right? Fashion? Do some girls go for fashion? I'm not going to reduce you all to that. I'm not going to say that's all you go for. But yeah, it's a big deal. But there's some pretty new age sensitive guys out there who are also thinking, you know, fashion's for me too. What about academia? A prestigious education. Wonderful holidays. People are following wonderful and um, reputable uh, qualifications and professional um, occupations. There's all these different avenues. What about fit, healthy body? And guys are into this, you know, pumping weights, pumping, pumping weights, trying to get tough and strong. So they walk past the girls and they walk past them, you know, when they're in the car, they go, when they see a girl, they go, and go really fast for a bit. Well, I think the girl's going to go, Woo! did you see Johnny go really fast just now? 
you know, makes me laugh, doesn't it? You, back in the schoolyard, were they like that? When they saw their girls, did they run really fast for a little bit like this? What is it with guys showing off? Do you guys look forward to that? Is that what's going to give you contentment when you get a beautiful wife? See, there's many avenues out there. Do they bring contentment? Well, I'm going to tell you up front, just so you know, if you think they will be vehicles for contentment, you're going to be sorely mistaken. Because I'll tell you now, there's the, um, the rich, the rich of this world, the millions of rich of this world are actually working out that all the things which promise them contentment aren't and they're facing the same meaningless relationships, meaningless life, suicide and depression, alcoholism that all the poor and middle class are experiencing. So, you know, we're about middle class, but the poor people of this world are thinking, well, any wonder I'm, I'm suicidal, any wonder I'm depressed, man, I've got no money. The poor think that if they had money, everything would be fine. The middle class, you and I, we've got money. But see, we're on the threshold of greatness. We think if we can just cross that line, just get that little bit more, an extra bit, just that qualification, just that job, live there. If I had that boyfriend, I had that girlfriend, then I know I'd be happy. But the rich young people have run that rainbow all the way out to the end. And you know what they found? It was a hoax, unexpectedly an empty journey. There's nothing in this world that gives them contentment. And money can't buy you the things you need. Money will buy you thrills and spills and educations and experiences and cars and boats and material possessions and all those wonderful things. Money will get you that, but money will not buy you love and and a friend and relationships and grace and mercy and loyalty and forgiveness. I told the, uh, the adults down there, money can buy yourself a beautiful big ecclesial hall, but it can't buy an ecclesia. Money can't deliver. And you may want to find that out for yourself because you're thinking, blah, blah, blah. And I think the same. I think, yeah, but just a little bit more money wouldn't help. Hurt, rather, wouldn't hurt. But young people, I want to tell you before you go through your own experience and get disappointed for yourself. You know, talking about covetousness, I, I was with, before I came to the truth, and I came to the truth when I was about 13 years old, I went to this kid's birthday party, right? And we were there. And it was a really happy time. You know, we had party balloons and those things, streamers and everything. And we were sitting down just before lunch and he, he's opening up all these presents. And we're all sitting around. He's tearing, you, know, you don't, in America, is it sort of rude if you don't open the card first and go, thank you, Grandma. Is it rude if you just tear the present apart first without reading the card? Yeah, it is in Australia, okay? But this kid's just throwing everything everywhere. There's ribbons and paper. And he opens up all these presents and we're all going, wow, man, I wish it was my birthday. Look at that. And he looks up at his parents with this sneer and says, is this all I get? And we all went, and held our collective breath. And Dad takes a big, deep breath, walks over to the kitchen table, gets his lunch, walks back, stands there, tips it on his head, all over the floor, packs up his presents, sends us home, sends him to bed, and takes his um, presents down to um, Vinnie's. What do you guys call that here? Like an opportunity shop. Goodwill shop takes him to no birthday for him, and we, we we're horrified at that. But I want to show you something. Have a look at Hebrews thirteen, guys. And you think, oh, I would never be like that. 
Well, think about this. Young people, you've all got the world ahead of you. Honestly, it's such a promising place. Believe the advertisements. Don't listen to what I'm saying. Like it's, What I'm saying to you is a lie. Uncle Matt doesn't know what he's talking about. The world knows. The world's telling me. Christadelphian parents are trying to hold me back from all the good things. Now just think about this. Look what thir- Hebrews 13 says. Verse 5. Keep your life free from covetousness, the love of silver, and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now what does that verse tell you young people that every one of you, without exception, have? What does that verse tell you you have? Okay, what is it though in the verse that is that you have more than enough? You're dead right, we have more than enough, but what is it that it specifically says you actually have? It's a, yes, we have God. He said, don't worry, just be content with what you have. Well, what do I have? God says, well, me, because I won't leave you. You'll always have me with you. And you know what I feel like sometimes? I feel like that I've got this big present from God himself. Come down from heaven, he says, here, son, this is for you. And I go, thank you, Dad. And I pull it all open, and I open up the present, and I look inside, and it's God himself. He's given me himself as a gift. And sometimes I feel like I've looked up at him and I've sneered and said, is this all I get? Young people, do you ever feel like that? Is this all I get? It disgusts me. It makes me feel terrible. There's an old, there's an old example about having a hole in our heart, which from a young age we can sense and we actually try to fill it. We try to fill it with relationships and friends and all those avenues which I just discussed with you just a little while ago to satisfy that deep ache and pain. But you see this hole... It's like putting a round peg into a square hole. We try everything, even relationships. And Some people want families and have lots of children and think, then I'll be happy. But it doesn't fit. It doesn't fit the hole in our hearts. And what we learn is that it's actually a God-shaped hole and the only thing it's going to fit is the truth in our life, the Lord Jesus Christ, fellowship, our ecclesias what God's given us. It's the only thing that will fill that hole, cover it up and give us true present satisfaction, ultimately eternal life. We've got to believe these things, young people. Have to believe these things. In fact, just to show you how much we really do have, you imagine this. Sorry, I'm sure I had um, overheads here. I had this overhead, lots covetous, and I had this overhead, lot by name, lot by nature. It's a good overhead, isn't it? You like that one? I like that one too. And I had this one. Did you know we only use 20% of the things that we own? Yeah? It's, I mean, this is pretty... That means, that means you can go home and chuck out 80% of the stuff you've got. Uh, I hate statistics like that. I think, man, where do they get these numbers from in the first place? And two, how do they get into my house? It is like that. I've got, uh, do you know how many kids I've got? I've got six kids, right? I've got a couple of kids. And when I, my, my house is just littered with kid stuff. Happy Meals things. You go to the Maccas all the time. What happens? You get a Happy Meal, you get a toy. It's meant to make them happy, isn't it? I mean, that, that's, that's wrong advertising. How many Happy Meals have my kids had? 
and yet they're not happy. What's going on? It's not working. I want to know what the problem is. Look at this. I'm going to go home and chuck out all their gear. Do you think they'll be happy? Poof. Contentment is not just recommended, it's commanded. Say, so guys, I'm not giving you any choice in the matter. There's no wriggle room. This is it. God's telling us. Here's a good one. We'll come back to that in a sec. Just take note. Now, imagine if everything we've got, everything we've got here in life, you ha- just think of what you have, your room, your bedroom, you don't own your house, but say you own your bedroom, right? And you've got your iPods and you've got your, your little gadgets and your computers and your clothes, whatever you've got. Imagine if you could take everything you have back to the early years AD, back to the time of Christ. I would suggest that for a time you'd feel measurably satisfied, wouldn't you? Looking at all the stuff you've got that you can hardly hold on to and look around at what everybody else hasn't got. And see, contentment is that. It's the contentment or discontentment, the feeling of discontentment sort of rests between all that there is to have up here and all that we now have and the disparity between that. Okay, so what happens to this set point of all that there is to have? Which way does that go? Up. It's got no ceiling on it. It just keeps going up and up and up. And if we're watching it, it's going up higher and faster than what we're actually keeping up with. And because we're keeping an eye on that, we feel measurably discontent or, or incrementally more discontent. And I like air conditioning. Here's a classic example. How better do we feel today than what we feel yesterday? But I've got to tell you, I'm not entirely satisfied with the air conditioning today because it could be colder. Well, what are they doing in this place? They're building a unit. Don't they know how to even get a building air conditioning? I mean, how hard is it? Maybe we should go and give them a little bit of, a, a bit of advice. But I remember the days before air conditioning, even in cars. So we're in cars, me and my brothers, three of us, Matt, Mal and Andrew little tiny skinny boys in the middle of summer in the back of Dad's Holden on vinyl seats, slippery little sweaty legs sliding backwards and forwards, punching into each other. Get away from me. Don't touch me. Go like this. But we weren't discontented. We might have been aggro and filthy with one another, but we weren't discontented because air conditioning hadn't been invented then. Until one day, We saw this beautiful, big, luxurious car sail past us. All the windows are wound up. And the occupants are inside dressed in fur coats. And the teeth were chattering like this. And there was frost on the windscreen. We go, what's that? And I felt, this feeling came over me. What's that feeling, Mum? I feel really yucky. And Mum goes, son, that's discontentment. I don't like it. As soon as you see and you notice what other people have and what you have not got, you start to feel it and sense it. Who's got an iPod? Anyone here got an iPod? Oh, okay. I remember when I got mine, I was so proud. Walked into the um, shop and bought myself a 30 gig iPod. I was pumped, walking out proud as punch. And as I walked out, my mate was walking and said, Hey, where are you going? He said, I'm going to buy the 80 gig iPod. I went, what? I hate him. I hated him. But it's okay now because we're friends again because we're both looking forward to the 120 gig one coming. It's true, man. That's what happens. It just keeps going up and up and up if you're watching it. 
in the 60s when TV came out, what colour was it? Right. Would anybody, it's a tiny little bulby screen, families sitting around watching these little tiny people inside this box in black and white, would anybody sit up and say, I hate this, this is stupid. It's not colour. Nobody would have, but once it got forward in the mid-70s, if you were sitting there watching the black and white TV, I reckon you would think, Dad doesn't love us. He's not doing his job. That's covetousness, guys. It keeps going. And now we talk in pigma and pixels and flat screen and widescreen and plasma and all these things, man. It's, it just it drives you crazy. That's covetousness. Yeah, is that right? Can you see how it affects our life? Man, it doesn't... It goes by us daily, imperceptibly, but it actually affects us. Can you tell me, guys, what actually gives you true comfort and true satisfaction? What does the Bible say will give you true satisfaction? We just read it then. It's God. God's with us. But give me some of the things in the truth that we have that should give us true satisfaction. That's right. Our friends that God delivers. I mean, the true position of the follower of Christ has always been that they're satisfied with God, reconciled to Him. It gets me upset how petty I am. I get headaches if I miss a meal. I mean, I get it. I get a blooming headache if I miss one meal. Young people, tonight, millions of people are going to go to bed hungry who aren't even going to wake up in the morning. And I haven't even given them a second thought. I just think, come on, where's my next meal? It's pretty bad when you think about this. We dishonour God. When we go about proclaiming a God that satisfies and that walk around discontented, arguing with mum and dad saying, you don't love me, I want this, I want that. And we say, yes, but I'm a Christadelphian. What would God think? What would our Heavenly Father in Heaven actually think about us? So the worst thing is, is advertisements. Like, look at some of these. I'll show you a couple of these. Here's one of them, discontentment. I read about this particular ad. I've actually done it. In uni, I studied a little bit of um, advertising as well. I can tell you, they're deviates. What's the only thing in colour in bold? iPod. So here's the person. This is me. This is you. We've been relegated to not to nothing, non-identity. We're just a shadow. Take away the iPod, who's there? No one. It's just a shadow. So your identity's bound up in that product. You don't consciously say this to yourself as you look at the iPod. If I don't get an iPod, I won't be anybody. But that's what the advertisement does. You get an iPod, she gets an iPod, we all get iPods and we laugh at the person that <laughs> doesn't have an iPod. You loser. You've got to have one to be anything in this life. Without that product, you're nothing. It's shameful. The embedded commands and the sexual innuendo that goes into our advertisement is ridiculous. I didn't show the adults this. I might even show you guys. I'll put that back up later. Hey, I can't show you. Because I don't have it. No, oh, it's okay. It's alright. I don't even think. I think I erased it. Sorry, guys. I promised big things, but I haven't got it. Okay, I'll just explain it to you. Just a typical ladies' magazine. Just a fashion magazine. Nothing, you know, pornographic. Nothing immoral. Just a simple mag. Which, at the end of reading, you. See, Look at that yucky feeling again. I feel discontent. In it, I was flicking through one that we had at home. We don't have a house full of them, but one was there. It's, it's minor, it's small, it doesn't mean much. 
flicking through it. And I was flicking past this page and I went, I flicked back to it. It was advertising cutlery, knives and forks, bowls and spoons and things. And at the top of it there, the way it was worded, embedded in the wording was the word sex three times. And I said, I go on, I mean, you know, oh, Matt, you got a dirty mind. I, I went and took it down to one of the advertising places in town. I said, check this out. And they go, that's beautiful, isn't it? How good's that? They spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on that ad, getting that perfect, deliberately doing it. And you and I go, oh, as if they do that. If you guys think they don't do that willingly, deliberately, calculatedly, then your naivety knows no bounds. You're that immature. If, you don't, if you're young people now and you think you know all about the world, well, wise up to the world. The world is getting to get you from all angles. You've got to be wise to it. Another one was, you know that under, uh, deodorant called, is it Axe over here? Axe in Australia, right? It's, it's called Lynx in Australia. It had a little equation on it. It had a, it had a, a copy, um, a little cartoon picture of the shower gel as an equation plus use it in the shower, equals, it had a picture of a girl in a bikini with a squared sign above it. So if you use Axe, you will get chicks, girls squared. That's what it was saying. And we go, <laughs> as if, we jump in the car, drive down to Walmart and buy Axe. And we go, as if it works. Look, you look at me and go, as if it works, I tell you. Three weeks after the advertising campaign in Australia of Lynx came out, they secured 20 extra percent of the market share. 20% in three weeks when this lascivious and other, other um, pictures came out of the market share. Think about it. You girls, you, you girls don't think it, it, um, it gets the, uh, the emotions going? Why do they, you think they sell so many beauty products and fashion magazines? It works. Now, guys, all I'm saying is let's be wise to it. Let's be sensitive to the fact that the world's going to pull at us in every direction and say, I want you to be discontented. The advertising world in America spends close to $300 billion a year to consciously stimulate a chronic state of discontent to make you feel that what you have is not enough and that more and more of everything faster and faster is what you need. That your clothes are no good, that you're ugly, miss, and that you haven't got enough muscles and that you'll never get the girl unless you wear these clothes, guys, unless you drive this car. The advertising world loves you guys. You are it. And it's got every single broad spectrum of fashion out there. You don't have to be the prissy little girl. You can be the funky, punky looking guy out there as well. You're all in there. It's got every one of you on the radar. Don't think you're going to get out of it without being um, tempted. All I'm saying to you is be aware of it. Lot had this problem. If you had a problem when mud huts were a temptation in a city that didn't even have proper toilets, Imagine what our discontent rates and levels are like today when we have everything at our fingertips. So you see what I'm saying, guys? Is it pretty important or what? I don't mean to, you know, bang on with all this and, and, and accuse you in any way. I've got kids, I've got myself. I understand. I'm feeling it too. The pinch of trying every day to tell myself, God is enough. Thank you, Father. I've opened up my gift and it's you. I'm thankful for that. What else could I want? 
What else could I have? What else do I need? There's nothing else I need. So I just want to... Sh- I'll give you these. And you think about them. Just ask yourself, am I really content with that? Well, I can tell you now, Lot wasn't content. Lot, in like the parable of the sower, allowed the weeds and the thistles to choke what would otherwise have been good fruit and a good crop brought forth for God. Now, guys, are there any questions? Do you want me to bring you that, that glossy magazine I was telling you about tomorrow and show you? All right, so everyone's interested in it, aren't they? They all want to see it. <laughs> Look, I showed it back in my own ecclesia, and I'm telling you, about 20% of the brothers and sisters said, no, as if. And I'm saying, it's true. I had advertising gurus tell me, that they were admiring, going, that's beautiful, man, that is beautiful. They spent a lot of money to do that. And brothers and sisters, the naive ones are saying, no, as if. You're an idiot if you think that. That's an accident. Man. I feel sorry for the sitting ducks. Ching, ching. <laughs> they are. Anybody got any questions, guys? Do I sound too cranky too? I don't mean to sound cranky. Do, girls, am I, am I scaring you? Am I being cranky? Yeah. Okay, I'll try not to be cranky tomorrow, Rosie, okay? I've got a Rosie at home too. She always says, Daddy, how come you get your cranky face on? I try not to be cranky tomorrow. I don't mean to be. I'm, these are so serious. I want you to get the lessons. Like I feel for you. I love you guys so much. Young people and the truth. And the days in which you live are so difficult. You need to hear this. Probably from somebody other than your parents because mum and dad bang on about it all the time. But I really want you to listen. So no questions, guys?